Warning, incoming game. Warning, incoming game. Welcome to Incoming Game, the podcast where we watch... And rewatch The 2001 animated series Reboot. I'm Jessica, and I've been a fan for a long time. I'm Ben, and I'm watching this for the first time. Each week, we take an episode, dissect it, inject some trivia, and try to find our frostiest moments. This week, we're walking down the aisle in Nobot of the Bride. Oh, I'm so excited. I promised myself I wouldn't cry. <laughs> How have you been this week, Ben? Oh, this week's been okay. I'm pretty tired. I felt it was only right that I bookend our recordings by being up since 4 a.m. <laughs> oh, that's good. You know, just as we started, it's like a circle. Yeah, it's a, it's a flat circle. <laughs> <laughs> time is a flat circle and so are podcasts. Yep. It's that time of year, I guess, like when I just wake up randomly and then I'm just up. <laughs> About you, how have you been? Um, pretty busy. The biggest news is probably that my husband played two seconds of a Les Raw song right before we started this, and so now I can't stop singing it or get it out of my head. So, there's that. Is it, uh, look down, look down? No, but now I'm going to get that one stuck in my head, too, so thanks for that, Ben. I'm here to help. Well, should we jump right into this, then? Let's go for it. Okay. All right, so today we're doing Season 4, Episode 7, Nullbot of the Bride. First aired on November 23rd, 2001, and it was written by Ian Pearson, Gavin Blair, Raul Inglis, and Phil Mitchell. And we start off with Dot trying on veils as the other girls check out screens of their dresses. Oh my gosh, yeah, the girls are cooing over the designs and Cecil's trying to claw his way behind the curtain. <laughs> he is rip shit that Dot wants to have the wedding ceremony in the freaking war room. This is a lovely room. Oh, He's like, Dot, Dot, Dot. <laughs> Can you blame him? There's no seating. Like, the ambience leaves a lot to be desired, and there's not even an aisle to walk down. He is very right in his choice to not have it there. I can see their hesitation at looking at the empty hallway when he does choose, <laughs> but he's got a lot planned for it. You know, he's got all the fix and including urns. There will be urns. I can't imagine Cecil expending any effort whatsoever, though. What am I, an interior designer? I think he is. I think he's always <laughs> wanted to do this. And instead, he was relegated to being a waiter at a diner because he was stuck on a pole. But he's free now. He's free, goddammit. And meanwhile, on ER... I've never seen anything like it. He's completely non-responsive. Some sort of crystalline state. Water is energy size. He doesn't have any. I'm not getting any BPM. We're losing him. <laughs> a, <b> a bunch of space goofuses are wheeling Space Bob into Space Sick Bay and start scanning him for space vitals. He gets a cool little stasis tube, and that's about it. We yeah. bump on back to the wedding. This is a uh, lawsuit waiting to happen right here, as uh, Al's skating waiter is popping in and out of various occupied dressing rooms and snarking uh, about. Oh, the 2001 gay jokes. <laughs> I am real glad we moved past that. What's that tape measure for? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we do, however, uh, get... Probably my favorite part of the episode where Matrix has his tux on and immediately rips the sleeves off, which delights me to no end. He's like, hey, look, the sun's out. You know what that means. It means guns out. 
<laughs> yeah, he, he looked really good in that tux, actually. <laughs> Even Hack and Slash are getting in on the action. They've got their own tux versions of themselves. <laughs> Bob appears and tells Matrix that as his best man, he needs to... Oh, by the way, you're going to be my best man. <laughs> this touches Matrix deeply, and Bob has to give him a ridiculous readme file about his duties. <laughs> He also breaks the news about Glitch Bob. Uh, seems his condition is worsening, and so he's considering putting off the wedding. The Matrix is like, nah, man, you got this, bro. Forget that dude. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, the Guardian Doctors are trying random shit to see what works, and surprisingly, none of it does. Yeah, Mr. Clean is trying to inject him with like something, but uh, Black don't crack. <laughs> Dot is sliding into a seat next to Bob at the diner, and oh my god, it's horrible. <laughs> I can understand why people get annoyed at people being lovey-dovey from this scene. Everything's going wrong, and I just couldn't be happier about it. She just craves problems to fix. She really does. Speaking of problems, she creates a new one when she asks Matrix to walk her down the aisle in place of their dad. And so he and Bob share some panicked glances, like, uh, uh, uh. Which, I didn't realize that those two jobs were mutually exclusive. <laughs> that was my first thought. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Bob realizes, he's like, oh yeah, there's more than one Enzo, so instead of a best man, he'll just have a best boy instead. And then we get this uh, quaint, innocent curiosity, what's a stag night? Cut to Al's. <laughs> oh. My. God. Where the small town binomes are doing the full Monty for the ladies' bachelorette party. <laughs> Yet again, I'm forced to imagine what binome genitalia looks like. I, the whole thing, I'm just like... This isn't happening. This isn't happening. <laughs> Why are you so embarrassed, Jess? <laughs> I thought you were a modern woman. <laughs> I don't know if I want to see blocks strip. <laughs> <laughs> Dot gets pulled on stage for presumably a lap dance off screen. I guess. But thankfully, we cut over to the boys night party, which is being thrown by a 10 year old. And it shows. All I could imagine was Bula popping out of a cake when they were speculating. <laughs> <laughs> that should have happened. Is it just me or did little Enzo turn his dad into a jello shot? <laughs> he like offers up this jelly. I'm like, that's your dad. One more jello? One more jello? <laughs> hey, hey, jello. Lieutenant Dan, jello. <laughs> so meanwhile, back at Six Bay, Mr. Clean tries firing a laser at Starbob but it just bounces off of him and all around the room, exiting to God knows where. I do like that he's resorted to now, should we just shoot him? Can we just shoot him? See what happens if we shoot him? He just pulls out a cannon. <laughs> <laughs> what about Mentos and Coke? Have we tried Mentos and Coke yet? So Cecil has finished decorating the hallway, and Bob comes in to congratulate him. Like, a lot. This is amazing incredible like really super serious congratulations beautiful stunning and cecil starts to genuinely receive his thanks for all of five seconds it's like hey were we just bonding gross i hate it that scene was really weird to me it's very weird i feel like it made sense for cecil but didn't make sense for bob why would bob be upset about it? why would bob be upset Seems out of character for him. It does seem out of character. Hmm, maybe it's a hint. <laughs> Back in uh, the supercomputer, the so-called doctor has given up 
I can't shoot him with anything else. <laughs> I can't stab him with anything else. Uh, frankly, I don't know what to do if I can't shoot and stab him. <laughs> so yeah, he tells Turbo that whatever energy left inside of him is fading. So we zoom inside Bob's own head to his mind palace. A bare white room with a bed that he hovers above and starts having an existential crisis, followed by a fever dream, as humongous Glitch appears in front of him. He asks if he's the real one or if he's the copy, and Glitch alights into flame. I'm not sure if that's a yes or a no. It's all metaphors for something. (laughs) (laughs) Is this because my mom, that time that she walked in on me? (laughs) Doing what? (laughs) Playing video games, of course. Mm. Which is a really weird thing to do when you actually are a video game. (laughs) (laughs) so hack and slash are having some trouble figuring out the seating arrangements yeah maybe they sit in the aisle i do like here that we get the confirmation that the crew of the saucy mirror is not dead including the captain oh yeah that's true because ray wasn't dead either they must have just been viralized yeah and uh enzo and fong are about to bring nibbles to the wedding so enzo uh, reaches in to grab nibbles from the tank and his infected icon goes haywire and transfers its viral energy right into Nibbles. So now Enzo's icon is A-OK, and Nibbles is talking. Enzo, Fong, I have returned. He's turned into a virus. I like how this, this was it. This was the big viral reveal. I know. (laughs) It's such a thing, like, I'm thinking, oh, shit. And it's like, oh, I can talk now. (laughs) Not only that, but your icon is back to normal. So you never actually kept this power. It was a one-time deal. Here's the thing. So so now Wellman is able to speak again. Why did Hex bother with doing all that go-between with Enzo's icon in the first place? She was literally standing next to Wellman herself (laughs) while she was doing her goodbyes. I could not begin to tell you. (laughs) It just seems unnecessarily complicated. It's just a surprise for later, I guess. Like, she didn't want (laughs) to... Back at the wedding, some people are already sleeping because apparently they're running late. They can't find Fong and Enzo, and Matrix almost pulls a little Enzo by jumping on Bob with his sleeves back on. Why are her sleeves back on? (laughs) Yeah, I like how Matrix is like, don't panic, but I don't know where Enzo and Fong are. Oh, wait, they're right there. They're literally right behind me. Oh, never mind. And back in uh, Bob's dream, Big Glitch is sending out a wave of colorful key tools, all of which are getting absorbed into Glitch Bob's waiting arms. With that, the church doors swing open, revealing Dot in her wedding gown, being walked down the aisle by her own no father, complete with mech suit. And Andrea and Mouse trailing behind for some reason, because that's what they do in computer weddings, I guess? I noticed two things. One, I really liked how they combined the Wedding March song with the reboot theme song. It was a nice, subtle touch. That was good. And uh, secondly, I couldn't help but notice that Mouse and Andrea's dresses didn't match. Well, no, but they matched each other. Yeah. (laughs) They matched each other's skin and or hair. (laughs) Which is fine. I'm cool with them not matching. I don't love the dress designs. But we can get into that later. (laughs) But it does. It looks like everything is going smoothly. Dot is finally getting married to a Bob. Any Bob. Yeah, but which is good because the other Bob we know is dead now. Yeah, Glitch Bob has flatlined. Way to make the already conflicted mood even more awkward. <laughs> but wait, he's glowing? <gasps> A bunch of bubbles start to come out of him and turn into key tools, and then they start glowing back at Bob. 
Yeah, he gets blasted back to consciousness, and Turbo is reunited with Copeland, so they start running scans on him. But his code doesn't match their file, so uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. Looks like he was the copy after all. That's gonna hurt. Also, what file do the Guardians have that the uh, mainframers do not have? It's the big brother. <laughs> I'm having a hard time believing this, though. I, I, I don't trust Goober Bob. I really don't. I don't like him. He finally starts to wake, and they just wonder how they're going to break the news. But uh, he doesn't really need to, because Fong is saying the magic words that will trigger a dramatic entrance in any wedding. Speak now or forever hold your peace. And Bob comes walking through a portal, ready to tell Dot that she can't marry that goober face. <laughs> Not having any of this, Goober Bob just straight up punches him right in the face. Right in the face. <laughs> like, whoa, dude. <laughs> Not even the attempt of civilized conversation. No, and Glitch Bob is about to vaporize him in retaliation, too, <laughs> until Dot separates them and tells Glitch Bob that it's just over between them. I've made my decision. So Bob, in a smart move, graciously accepts her decision and stalks off. Enzo is confused by this because, you know, he's got Glitch, and doesn't that make him the real Bob? But wait. As if summoned by speaking its name, <laughs> Glitch removes itself from Copy Bob and attaches to Goober Bob which confirms to everyone that he is indeed the Uber-Bob. And gives the smarmiest smile. <laughs> In case you weren't sure which was the real Bob, I feel like this smarmy smile should tip you off. I like that it wasn't obvious until now, though. Like, it, it was it was all pretty um, kind of subtle up to this point. <laughs> it was. But, uh, yeah, so at this point, Glitch starts activating and heads back to Glitch-Bob as Goober-Bob starts yelling in pain. What's happening to me? Uh, what's happening to you? Look at him! Yeah, Glitch seems to be taking something from Goober Bob and then giving it back to regular Bob <laughs> and turns him regular again. He loses his web suit and his weird degradation and turns back into OG Bob. And original OG Bob turns into the fucking Nightmare Megabyte. He looks like he came straight out of Five Nights at Freddy's. I legit screamed. <laughs> And then I had to pause the show for like a minute as I started laughing hysterically at this turn of events. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to give them a lot of credit for this design on Megabyte. It is amazing. He's terrifying. It's so creepy and zombified and <laughs> terrifying. It's so good. <laughs> oh, man. So this this <laughs> this freaks everybody out, especially because, you know, Megabyte just can't stop trying to get with his various sisters. Yeah, it's real weird. Megabyte. Just stop. <laughs> but now that the charade is over, he can go back to pursuing his one true love, Bob. <laughs> I've been working out. There's a small gag here about how none of the heroes have their weapons on them because they're all in fancy clothes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay because Bob wants the honor of killing Megabyte himself. Uh, they start running at each other and Bob uses Glitch as a lightsaber to throw Megabyte around. Yeah, they're trading blows and tossing each other around the room. And I know I've said before that I don't particularly care for, like, drawn-out fight scenes, but this one was done very well. Yeah, it was very well choreographed, and a lot of destruction. <laughs> Destroying the hall, the organ, all of Cecil's hard work down the drain. The part where Bob gets thrown into the organ and it just collapsed, that was awesome. I love that. And then Glitch, in his now superpowers, <laughs> is able to reform the organ into a wall and take one of the bars and wrap it around Megabyte. I'm just like, <laughs> could Glitch do this previously? I don't remember him being this cool. 
it was super dramatic. And then Megabyte eventually gets tossed into the street. And so Bob asks, is like, why would Megabyte do all of this? And he's like, nah, I was bored. And spits acid in his face. <laughs> yes, because now Megabyte has an acid spitting power, too. We don't know the extent of his new powers. And also, he just did it for the vine, let's be honest. <laughs> so he uh, runs back inside, pausing to plant one on Dot again. Gross. Yeah, super gross. I really did not like that moment. <laughs> I mean, you're not supposed to like it. Yeah, but I don't like that it exists. <laughs> the difference between not liking something that someone does and not liking that they had a thing in there that someone does. <laughs> he then runs into the hall, grabs Nerdy Binome, and tells everyone else to clear out. And we see Nerdy Binome go out with them. A little bit later. His name is Specky, by the way. Yeah, but I call him Nerdy Binome, so now that's his name. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a little unclear if that's really specky. I'm unconvinced. Really? I don't know what tipped you off. Was it the fact that there's another one inside? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bob and Matrix storm the building and look among the wreckage for Megabyte. They don't see him, but what they do see is Nerdy Binome. <laughs> but I just saw Specky outside. Dun, dun, dun! And they're smart enough at this point to realize that they have a Trojan horse virus on their hands. What will they do now? Megabyte could be anywhere or anyone. See, now you put the dun, dun, dun too early and it feels like the trauma's really dropped off. So, Jessica, what'd you think of this episode? I have mixed feelings on this episode. Do tell. (laughs) I feel like once... It was revealed that it was Megabyte. We had some great stuff. I was all about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't like the twist. I hate the twist. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, I think knowing what the twist was informs my dislike of the previous two episodes in this movie. Ah, interesting. I was thinking about it as I watched this. I feel like maybe I might have been a little too hard on the previous two episodes. And it was because I knew that secretly this Bob was Megabyte. Ah, and it really bugged me. Yeah, because I had no idea about that. Like, I, I figured there was going to be some explanation, but the whole Megabyte reveal took me totally by surprise. So it was a surprise for you. Okay. It was, yes. I was a little worried because I feel like the title of the next episode kind of gives it away. Yeah, but I, that I didn't take too much stock in. I just figured it was a pun. You know, there's viruses all over the place. Okay. <laughs> so I'm glad that was a surprise for you. What do you think of the twist? I'm kind of with you. Like, I wasn't feeling too keen about, like, the first act of the episode. Like, all the wedding planning stuff just wasn't doing much for me. But, like, it just kind of got better and better throughout. Like, there were little moments that I liked. But then once the midpoint of the episode came with all the Bob stuff, it hooked me. And I got more and more on board until, like, like I said, by the time the twist came and Megabyte appeared, I was legitimately shouting. And, like, and it was great. (laughs) I was loving it from there on in. Like, the entire last five minutes or whatever of the episode was just amazing. (laughs) I feel like a lot of the earlier episode, too, falls into my issues with the first two episodes, which is that I feel like Dot is very out of character. Mm-hmm. Not that she wouldn't be like super gleeful on her wedding. It felt more like they were writing generic lady at a wedding than they were Dot at a wedding. Right. So, I don't know. I was not thrilled with the wedding stuff. Yeah, no, and I'm I'm with you on that. Like, I think we're on the same page. Yeah, so the, the whole Megabyte is Bob thing, I think is an interesting twist. 
I think him being a Trojan horse and him being back, and as we'll learn later, Bob kind of protecting him, and that's why he's back. I think that's all really cool. But then that means that Dot almost married Megabyte and like kissed Megabyte a bunch and <laughs> snuggled up to Megabyte. And it just, when you really start thinking about it, you're just like, what? Why? Why? What I find interesting is that Goober Bob didn't really seem to break character at all in the previous episodes. Never. He never does. Yeah, it wasn't until this one that like the sinister aspects started to show up. Which, yeah, that's a weird thing, too, because I feel like Megabyte, I mean, he was nice. <laughs> he was kind. He was thoughtful. Like, So he knows how to be empathetic. He just chooses not to. <laughs> yeah. So you, you would think that he would have some amount of trouble. Like, there would be some kind of foreshadowing, you know? <laughs> like... How do feelings work? <laughs> but no, <laughs> he, he knows how they work. He just doesn't care. Right. And like, we could have had that tension from the beginning. Like if like, for whatever reason, like in secret, like Bob just kind of laughs like Megabyte by himself, you know? And then like, so we know that going in. And so like, as the wedding gets closer and closer, you know, that tension builds up like, oh no. Yeah. I feel like the wedding could have been moved up an episode. You know, have 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 the reveal on episode two. I was actually surprised it was this early. I assumed that the wedding stuff was going to be in the finale. Well, when you don't realize that he's a virus and that the big bad is actually Bob the whole time, it makes sense for the wedding to be in the finale. But knowing that he's not the big bad, <laughs> I've got a semi-related question for you. Yeah. Is there a wedding episode of a TV show that you really enjoy? I feel like wedding episodes are hard. Yeah. I don't want to give them too much shit because wedding <laughs> episodes are very difficult. I'm trying to think of like one in particular. None's coming to mind immediately. <laughs> Only because I was reminded of it recently. But it is true. I think my favorite is uh, the Parks and Rec episode where Ben and Leslie get married. Okay. Like, that's, that's a tearjerker right there. <laughs> <laughs> and not at the end of the season. They threw that in like midway. Just, you know, a random episode. You didn't realize it was going to happen. And then all of a sudden. Yeah. So I, I think... Overall, the episode was a mixed bag. I mean, it definitely won me over by the end, but it was definitely a, a rocky start. But speaking of the ending, I'm actually not sure which Specky is the real one, because I'm thinking it's possible that Megabyte let the real Specky run off while he pretended to be injured in the church, just to kind of throw them off the scent. I was thinking that too. I couldn't remember. I was trying to think to myself, which one is real? Yeah. And speaking of scents, where's Frisket in all this? Couldn't he have sniffed him out? You would think so. That dog is sleeping on the job. <laughs> they didn't give him like a little like ring bearer pillow or something. Yeah, like, he definitely would have like figured something out. I mean, like he he doesn't like Bob to begin with, but I mean, I'm sure he would be. He would have behaved for an episode. <laughs> but I'm thinking he would have been even more aggro towards Megabyte if he could like snuff him out. Pixelacious. So, uh, what do we have for bits and bites this week? Uh, we've just got a few. One is the title, so Nullbot of the Bride is a reference to Father of the Bride, which could just be a reference to the title of the guy who's the dad of the woman who's getting married. Uh, <laughs> but it's more than likely also a specific reference to the movie Father of the Bride. Yeah. Uh, in Bob's dream sequence, we get a pretty direct reference to 2001 A Space Odyssey, where instead of a giant monolith, we have Glitch. <laughs> I did catch that. And this is actually the final time that uh, we hear Ian James Corlett in this series say goodbye to OG Bob. That's right, because when he changed back, it was Michael Benier again, wasn't it? Yep. And he's still, Michael Benier uh, is still playing good Bob, real Bob. 
Right, yeah. The <laughs> Throughout Sony. the, yeah. So he's both web version and healed version of Bob. That's interesting. Like how they really like kind of took that around. Like, so for whatever reason, they had to change actors midstream and then were able to bring him back while bringing the original design character back. It was actually really like, I applaud that <laughs> cleverness. <laughs> Now, do we have a game this week? We do not have a game this week. We've got a wedding. (laughs) A wedding? Is there a wedding game? (laughs) It's like Barbie Dream Wedding or something. Actually, let me check to see if there is a wedding game. I feel like I should check that now. Hold on. I do see Barbie Wedding Video Games Dress Design. Barbie Dress Design Game. (laughs) There are. I'm sure there's a ton of like mobile ones. That's probably what a lot of these are. I can use this moment to comment on the dresses. I feel like as the resident lady here, it's my job. So I just want to say, I thought Dot's dress was gorgeous. I thought they did a great job with this. However, Andrea and Mouse's dresses... Yeah, so get into what what don't you like about those? They just did not, to me, represent the people wearing them. And they didn't even represent to me Dot picking out the dresses for the two people she knew would be wearing them. (laughs) Is that ever the case though? Doesn't like the the bride picks the you know the nicest looking thing and then she puts the bridesmaids in any old dumpy thing that as long as they match. <laughs> it depends on your bride. <laughs> but every wedding that I've been in, we've gone someplace, everyone's tried on a bunch. Some people go with different styles, they go with their body types, and then tell <laughs> all the same color or they'll go with all the same style but different colors or things like that. Personally, in my wedding, I was very much like, hey, I don't want to make you guys pay for this, but I guess you need a dress, so you guys are in charge (laughs) of picking what you want. Like, I really don't care, as long as you guys are happy. Well, that was nice of you. (laughs) Especially when you have the option in an animated series where you can pretty much dress them up in whatever you want within the limitations of your budget. Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, that's what they're wearing? Okay. I guess <laughs> he made such <laughs> such a cool like megabyte design, and like none of the budget went to the dresses. <laughs> All right. <laughs> to be fair, though, they are very two thousand one in style, so it could just be twenty year later sensibility. Yeah, <laughs> I can definitely see those dresses being worn in two thousand one at a wedding. Yeah, see, there you go. But Dot's dress was gorgeous. I did like her dress. They did a good job there. This is wrong. This is all wrong. So, Jessica, in the course of watching this episode, did you find yourself a holy matrimony-inspired frosty moment? <laughs> oh, I did. And it is Matrix ripping the sleeves off of his tuxedo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go back to my love of the good place here, <laughs> where... Jason Mendoza does the same thing at his wedding as they're playing like EDM and possibly Backstreet Boys, I think, at one point. (laughs) And it's amazing. And it's probably one of my favorite parts of the series. And I love that he does that here. And I really wish that he had kept the sleeveless tux for the actual wedding. It was so disappointing that he had his sleeves back. (laughs) (laughs) It grows back. It's cartoon logic. Cecil probably like demanded it. (laughs) So, Ben, did you find yourself... A holy matrimony moment? Yeah, my runner-up is actually going to be adjacent to that scene. It's the one where Matrix is in the dressing room with the skating waiter for some reason, and they're behind the curtain talking about tape measures. Oh, dear. Hey, what are you doing with that tape measure? Whoa! Whoa! What the? It's a stealth dick joke, and I did appreciate it. (laughs) But But my frosty moment has to be that reveal of Megabyte. He was fucking scary, completely unexpected. 
Like, even if you had the idea that something was off with Bob, which I did, I certainly did not expect him to be Megabyte in disguise. So that threw me for a loop. I applaud that reveal. See, I knew he wasn't gone for good. (laughs) It was such a fun design, and it was a great reveal. I may not be thrilled at the idea that she was making out with Megabyte. (laughs) (laughs) Well, neither was she. (laughs) But the reveal was fantastic. Like, his, his new design was terrifying. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump into our mailbag and see what we've got for feedback this week. Let's go. So Cameron O'Hara mentions that he loves the wedding prep, but dang, is everyone an ass to glitch Bob. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if he's even interested in Dot after that. That fight, true to check, Bob waits for Megabyte to attack first before he fights back as we've seen the Enterprise do many a time. (laughs) And it's a very Bob move. Bob won't hit you unless you hit him first, which should have been a pretty big clue when Megabyte Bob punched him in the face. (laughs) But yeah, everyone's so mean to glitch Bob. He was dying. (laughs) Give the guy a break. (laughs) It's like they were using it as an opportunity. (laughs) They're just like, oh, he's back. (laughs) So uh, Rob Horrocks agrees with us. He said that Nullbot starts a bit slow, but the reappearance of Megabyte is when things start to pick up. Uh, and I think we all agreed, definitely agreed with that. Beginning of the episode, we could have used some work, but we really, they really knocked it out of the park with the end. Captain Kukuls says it's uh, such a joy to see Megabyte and Tony J return to the show in such a horrific way. And the casualness in which he says, it amused me, <laughs> makes me love him even more. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I don't think we officially welcome Tony J back, but it is great to hear his voice again. <laughs> Uh, Wacka Magoose, uh, Kimura, on Twitter, says that his frosty moment for Nobot of the Bride was Cecil revealing that he's a damn good interior decorator and Dot realizing she just kissed Megabyte. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it almost would have been earned if we just had a whole episode then of her, like, chugging mouthwash (laughs) afterwards. I'd have been like, okay, yes, that's fine. We're good now. So uh, Bri Kodic has a lot of thoughts. He uh, says, uh, this one's a pretty weird one. The uh, Bob versus Megabyte fight was a hell of a lot of fun and felt kind of owed after they really didn't face off in season three since Matrix deserved that one far more. We've had some not subtle suggestions that Dot's struggling with PTSD and it's impacting her decision making, which itself is a fine idea. He just wishes it was explored more or maybe differently. But as for why her friends and family haven't noticed or tried to help... I really agree with that. I feel like something is up with Dot, and I do not want to blame it on the writing, because the writing for the show has, for the most part, been really, really good. Oh, yeah. So I'm assuming that they want to explore the fact that she has, like, this PTSD, but (laughs) are unable to, and instead just have a scene where she gets pulled up on stage to have a lap dance by three blocks on top of each other. Uh, Steph Taylor on Twitter says that she was so happy to see Megabyte again and loved his feral look. And yes, I agree. Definitely. That's probably the highlight of this season so far. (laughs) Nolan Hayes has some thoughts on the Megabob. Uh, It says that there have been some subtle hints throughout the half season, such as the slightly off intro, which I'm not sure what he means by that. But the, the uncharacteristically Bob moments, such as you're a renegade, cheat, and him deciding not to continue antagonizing Cecil. Nolan also has a question for us. Uh, As far as hidden identity reveals or big twists go, do you like or dislike? Do you think that they are good for capturing attention or are they a cheap tactic? I mean, I guess they could be both. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) 
Yeah, it really depends on how it's played. It's one of those where, yeah, it's not a hard and fast rule either way, so I don't know that I have a preference for them one way or the other. <laughs> for me, it's the problem comes when it's like when it's built on the twist, when that's all you can do is wait for the twist. <laughs> and at that point, I feel like you're not really enjoying a movie anymore. You're just right. trying to like figure out what that is. Whereas other stuff when you don't know that there's a twist going in and then you watch it and then you're like, oh man, that was great. Like that it really, you're enjoying something beyond the twist. Mm -hmm. And then you can rewatch it with that in mind. Yes. You can pick up on other stuff. Like that's always super fun. In this one, because I was so mad about Megabyte, I don't know if it was super fun because I kept going, stop kissing him, he's Megabyte. <laughs> Both uh, Nolan and Cameron kind of are speculating that uh, Wellman's mech suit is actually Fong's schematic for a robot friend for Enzo. <laughs> I think it's time to make this voyage unprofitable. Uh, anything you want to recommend for our listeners? I do. So um, there's an artist I follow called, uh, her name is Xing Yin Kor, and she has a Kickstarter going on right now. And it should still be going on by the time that this airs, so you can go check it out. As of now, there's 29 days to go, so I think we're good. It's called Strange Friends, a postcard book. Uh, it's got a bunch of her art, and her art is the super fun, cute, weird creatures that she's created. <laughs> uh, like little like lizard creatures with leaves and frog creatures with horns and, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. And you can also just follow her if you don't want to back the Kickstarter. You can follow her at Sawdust Bear on Twitter, um, where she'll post her art. She does a lot of, like, installation art, which is really fun. Um, and she also has a passion for the giant Paul Bunyan statues that you may see around holding <laughs> tires <laughs> or flags or other various things. She'll talk about her obsession of that as well. So go check her out. Nice. Uh, I would like to recommend uh, the Thrilling Adventure Hour podcast, which has recently come back. It Ooh, was yay. it had done like 150 or I forget how many episodes, and it went got on hiatus. They ended the show, but they've actually put their past archives up on Patreon. But in the meantime, what they've started doing is releasing a treasury. So they have some uh, some old unreleased stuff as well as some kind of like side projects from some other writers that they're including and kind of releasing that every couple of weeks or so. So it's kind of like a slightly new format, but it's still got the same like style and humor that you've come to know and love from them. Uh, and that's uh, the Thrilling Adventure Hour. Awesome. If you're unfamiliar with that, I should clarify that it's a uh, it's a live podcast that's done in the style of old time radio, like those radio serials from like the 1930s or so, you know, where it's like the shadow and... Uh, they have a space western called Sparks Nevada, Marshall on Mars, which is very funny. And uh, Beyond Belief, which is about two paranormal investigators who don't really want to do any paranormal investigating. They'd rather just be drinking. Beyond Belief is my favorite. I will skip to Beyond Belief every time. Oh, man. Yeah, it's very funny. I really like Sparks Nevada, too, though. Awesome. So uh, I guess that'll do it for this week. What are we looking at next time? So next time we're looking at the final episode of the series. Oh my goodness. I don't know how they're going to resolve it. Can you believe it? <laughs> I can. I'm actually, as much as I love doing this podcast, I am ready for it to be over. <laughs> <laughs> I think a year is a good podcast time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I don't know how people who do like long-term multi-year podcasts manage it, but... <laughs> Uh, but next episode, we have uh, Crouching Binome Hidden Virus, 
which obviously is a reference to both a movie and the fact that we have a hidden virus. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get to see what happens with uh, Megabyte, and I'm sure they're going to wrap everything up in a nice little bow, and we'll never have questions going forward. Awesome. Can't wait. <laughs> Until next time, you can always join the conversation by uh, finding us online at Incoming Game Pod. On Twitter, Incoming Gamecast on Facebook, and IncomingGameCast.com. You can find me at Dudworks, D-U-D-W-O-R-K-S. You can find me at Stirvina Lady. That's S-T-I-R-V-I-N-O Lady. Our theme music is Spasmatica Polka by Kevin McLeod. And do we have an outro for this week? No, but I really need some mouthwash on Dot's behalf. <laughs> like, can I mail her some? Can we just send it to Canada? Will it, will it get to her? <laughs> <laughs> it's about 18 years too late, but sure. I think she still needs it. <laughs> I would still need it, personally. Well, on that note, everybody stay frosty. Stay frosty, folks. Game over. The user wins. <laughs>